Now, the Bible reading today will be from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Thanks to Alex for reading for us. Well, how are your gardening skills? And in particular, excuse me, in particular, are you any good at getting a plant to produce fruit or flowers? When I was um, training to be a radiographer um, back in the 90s, there were three of us, myself, Philip and Kerry, on a recurring placement at the same hospital. Um, and we had a clinical tutor there, Sue, who was in charge of coordinating our placement and assessing us and teaching us. And because we were young and daft, she was a real mother and hen to us as well. So when we were leaving, she was into gardening. We thought it'd be nice to buy a rose bush. And she loved it. And several years later, we had a bit of a reunion. And Sue said that every year, the bush had produced exactly three roses. One each for me, Philip and Kerry. Until... 1999, and Robert was born, my son, and it started producing four flowers. Amazing. However, the following year, it produced 12 roses. Now, me and Kerry haven't had any children, so I'm not sure what Phil had been up to. So anyway, as we've been looking at Jesus in this series, Who is Jesus? Because he makes big life-changing claims about himself. He gets 
always asking big life-changing questions about ourselves. And today he claims to be the true vine and gets us asking, are we being fruitful with our lives? Verse 5 in chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what is this fruit that Jesus is on about? What does Jesus mean when he says, I'm the true vine? And how do we remain in him? Well, that's what we're looking at today. As we continue to go back to Jesus to see what he says about himself and how he wants us to respond to who he is. So simple outline for you. Who, how, and what? Who, how, what? Who, uh, Jesus is the true vine. How, remaining in the vine. And what, what is the fruit? First then, who? Jesus is the true vine. So of all the I am claims that Jesus makes himself, I think this is the one where he talks most about what that means for his disciples. But let's not miss that it's all about Jesus. It's all based on who Jesus is, all about him. And Jesus is saying these words, um, just as he and the disciples have finished their last meal together, Passover meal, just before Jesus' crucifixion. Things are about to turn very ugly. And it's going to be very tempting for the disciples to give up on Jesus altogether. And so Jesus sums up what he's taught them and how he wants them to respond, to encourage them to hang in there and stick with him, even when it seems that all is lost and just about anything else would be easier. And we've all been there, haven't we? Not with Jesus near his crucifixion, but we've all thought, entertained the idea of giving up on Jesus. You know, people reckon we're all right, if only we weren't one of those God-botherers. We'd have plenty of time and energy, if only we didn't have all those church commitments. I could do whatever I wanted, if only you could forget what I know in heart about Jesus. But Jesus tells us, remain. And we'll talk more about that shortly, what remain means. Remain based on who I am, the true vine. So what does he mean? Well, there are loads of Old Testament passages where God's chosen people, Israel, are described as a vine. Um, So if you want to catch me afterwards, I can give you a bunch of references. The Psalm 80, Isaiah 5, Jeremiah 2, Isaiah 27. In each case... Uh, The picture is of God being a generous, highly skilled wine grower who who provides, sorry, vine grower, who provides every advantage and every protection for the vine to produce the best grapes. You know, this is who Penfold's Grange would employ to get their grapes sorted. But in each case, the people are instead unfaithful and fruitless full of weeds. And each time the warning is of judgment and exclusion from God's kingdom. Yet there's still hope. Uh, In Psalm 80, 17 and 18, and in Isaiah 27, um, the writers look forward to a future day when the vine will be fruitful. 
And Psalm 80 hints at a future son of man who will be the true Israel. So just listen to this from Psalm 80, 17. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. So the long and short of all these references is that Jesus is the true Israel. He's the vine that does what it's supposed to do. It's the fruitful vine. In other words, Jesus is the source of life, true life, the kind of life that will last forever in loving relationship with God. So that truth about who Jesus is is both full of promise and it's a warning as well. If we stick with Jesus, we will bear much fruit, glorifying God and bringing us joy. And the warning from verse 4. I'm sorry, I forgot to do slides for today. But the warning from John 15 verse 4. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. I mean, we get that from a gardening perspective, don't we? If you snap a branch on a fruit tree, that branch won't produce fruit. It's cut off from the source of life. And this is, these are big claims from Jesus, aren't they? Jesus is saying, it, well, sorry, he's not saying you can, you can only live a useful life. You can only live a good life if you're a Christian. I mean, we're all made in God's image, We're all capable of enormous good, of incredible acts of love, Christian or not. But it is only if we're plugged into Jesus, trusting in him, that we can produce anything that lasts eternally. It's only if we remain in Jesus that we can have eternal life in relationship with God. But just look at who it is that is asking us to stick with him and what he's asking us to stay with. When it seems hard, think about who Jesus is. Verse 9, Jesus says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Just stop and think about that for a moment. Jesus, God the Son, has been loved and cherished by God the Father as a vine keeper cherishes the vine back from all eternity and for all eternity. God the Father has loved Jesus for eternity perfectly in perfect unison and that's how Jesus loves us. A mutually self-giving love within who God is that's so vast, so eternal, so pure, we can barely get that kind of love, our heads around that kind of love. And with that kind of love, 
forever other person-centered obedient love Jesus has loved us no one else is ever going to love you so perfectly so fully so eternally so when Jesus says remain in me it's this kind of love that he's asking us to remain in And the warning is scary. Nobody wants to be gathered up and dumped on the fire. But the promise is so good. We all at heart, we all just want to be loved, don't we? And there is no love that is like Jesus' love for us. So how do we remain in this love? That's our second heading, how remaining in the vine. How do we remain in the vine? Jesus encourages his disciples, encourages us to remain. Um, older translations, you might have, might say, abide, abide in me. Um, and that word for remain or abide is in this passage ten times. So don't get away from the idea of remaining ten times. Um, you'll see it in English nine times. Verse 16 in the NIV says, fruit that will last. It's exactly the same word, fruit that will abide or remain. So stick with Jesus, last with Jesus, hang on to Jesus, keep trusting in Jesus, keep living for Jesus. From this passage, how do we do that? Well, firstly, by knowing Jesus through his word, and secondly, by obeying him. So first, know Jesus through his word. Verse 7, Jesus says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So you can't separate Jesus from his words. Words passed on to the apostles, witnessed by the apostles, now passed on to us in the Bible. Jesus' words are how we know him. And Jesus promises that when we believe in him, he lives in us by his spirit. So that when we read or hear his word, the Bible, like we have today, he's at work in us to bring it home to our hearts. His words remain in us. Now, you might have noticed I'm not from around here. I'm I'm from England. And I don't think my accent has changed much since I got here 14 years ago. I don't think it has. But when I visit England... My siblings and my friends are very quick to point out how Australian changes have crept in. So I'll just instinctively say books instead of quid when I'm talking about money. I've started saying thingos instead of thingies. You know, it passes that thingo rather than passes that thingy. Um, I say water instead of water, which is how I grew up saying it, water. You don't need a T, it's superfluous. You don't need a D, it's just water. Um, I say tomatoes instead of tomatoes. So all these little Australian things, oh, and don't forget the Australian questioning inflection. Everything, is it a statement or a question? All these things have crept in and I don't notice. Similarly, our branches, if you like, can get cluttered up with sin and doubt and wrong belief so subtly that we don't even notice it. 
So we need to have Jesus' words remain in us. We need to keep filling ourselves with the Bible. It's all Jesus' words in the end. It's all about him. Keep filling ourselves with his word so that we know what to prune, to allow God's word to prune us so we know what to obey. Lots of ways you can do that. There's um, a one-year Bible you can get. I use um, Gospel Coalition. You can sign up for the Bible in one year with a commentary. Um, try reading the psalm a day. Uh, all sorts of ways. Best way is to read with other people. Um, get into a growth group if you're not already. And as we do, God will use his word to clean our branches. And we'll know God more and more. Verse 15 I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Everything I have learned from my father is made known to his apostles. They've made it known to us. So we don't have to sit around wondering what God's got to tell us. He's already told us it's in the Bible. So as we read the Bible, God will clean our branches and we'll more and more want the same things as Jesus. And in that context, whatever we ask for, it will be done for us. So remain in Jesus, knowing him through his word and remain in Jesus by obeying him. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So Jesus puts himself up as the, uh, the example to follow. He remains with the Father perfectly, completely, because he's obeyed him perfectly. And we will obey perfectly one day when Jesus returns and perfects us once and for all. But for now, we remain in Christ by submitting to him, by obeying his commands. Remain in his love. Imagine for a moment you're part of a family that has dinner together every Thursday night. Say, let's be Australian, it's schnitty night. Every Thursday night, you get together as a family, all right? And one week, as you prepare the meal, you're sharing news, you're having laughs, you're appreciating one another. So when you actually sit down for dinner, it's a joy to share the meal. The following week, same schnitties, same nutritional value, same way the table's set and everything, but... You end up having a blazing row before dinner. Everything's the same, but the meal is a very different experience. And you haven't stopped loving each other, not really. But one meal is enjoyed, remaining within that love, and the other meal is endured apart from it. So Jesus is not saying... You must obey enough to earn your way into my vine. Now, he first loved us. He turned up and he died for us whilst we were still his enemies. But there's being loved and there's remaining in that love. See, disobeying Jesus clutters up our branch so that we can barely see the vine. Disobeying Jesus is an attempt to make our branch bear fruit that doesn't belong there. And the warning is, if we keep bending our branch away from the vine, eventually it will break. 
we remain in the vine in the same way we got in there in the first place. Turning away from disobedience, turning to Jesus with the obedience of faith. Just trusting in him, believing in him, depending on him to save us. He said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So what commands particularly is Jesus on about? Well, verse 12, Jesus says, My command is this, love each other, how? As I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. So you see the logic. Jesus loves us as the Father has loved him, and we are to love each other as Jesus has loved loved us. Jesus loves us as the Father has loved him, we're to love each other as Jesus has loved us. Specifically, we're to love each other in a way that we are willing to give our lives to each other. And I see that amongst us here at Woodcroft all the time. As you love and care for one another, as you serve your guts out. I mean, let's face it, being part of a young, smaller church like ours is hard. Nothing's already in place We all have to be part of making it happen. There's a certain minimum number we need just to make Sundays happen, which actually is the same minimum number as is for a church twice our size, which is why everyone who can is already serving in some way. And you add to all of that the hokey-pokey roller coaster of keeping up with COVID impact. Well, it's a fun ride, isn't it? But I'm so encouraged by your abiding, your remaining in the vine, demonstrated as you live out obeying this command to love each other and encourage you to keep doing that. So that brings us to the what. What is the fruit? Our final heading. What is the fruit? What is the fruit of a life? I mean, most people would say something along the lines of all all the stuff that you've done. You know, if you read an obituary in the newspaper, um, what you get, that's what you get. You'll get a a list of their achievements and, and what they did. But the fruit Jesus is on about is about what he does, about what he has produced in us. Fruit that doesn't die with us, but lasts for eternity. So if you know Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, um, you might have already jumped to the fruit here, meaning love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know that's what you were thinking, wasn't it? Yes. But let's stick with this passage. It's important to do that when we read the Bible. Start with the passage you're in first, and then look for the connections. What does, in this context where the disciples are about to temporarily lose and even deny Jesus, what's the fruit that they need right now? Well, it's all those things we've already looked at. God, love for God's word, prayer for big eternal things inspired by Jesus' words remaining in us. So love for God's word, prayer for big things. 
love for one another, enough to give our life to one another. Those are all fruits that Jesus is looking for, that he's producing in us. And these disciples, about to see everything apparently go wrong, to see everyone turning against Jesus, are also promised the fruit of new followers of Jesus being brought into the vine. So verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last or fruit that will remain. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So here is what our life lived well is all about. Here's what a fruitful life is. It's not about us at all. It's a life that brings God glory. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Being known as Jesus' disciples, you'll, you'll know if you put your hand up and sort of come out as a Christian at work, especially, will bring us hardship, no doubt. And from a worldly point of view, we'll definitely miss out. But in terms of what really matters, in terms of what lasts forever, belonging to Jesus is the most fruitful life there is. Because there's a fruit of God being glorified. That's, that's the point of our lives. Okay? Don't miss that. Bearing fruit to glorify God. But there's more. Verse 11. I have told you this, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Our bearing fruit by remaining in Jesus brings Jesus joy. And as we do that, it brings us joy. Obeying Jesus, remaining in, bearing this fruit, it's not a burdensome thing. It's hard, yes, it's difficult. But dying to ourselves, living for Jesus, is where true joy is found, where true life is found. Jesus gets the most joy and satisfaction from pleasing the Father. That's Jesus' heart's desire. And he wants to share that joy with us. And just to help you remember it, the word joy itself tells us the order. J, Jesus first, others next, yourself last. Jesus first, others next, yourself last. As we start this new year, this new term, I wonder how you're feeling Christianly. I think lots of us are feeling tired, burdened, like it's hard work just being a branch, never mind bearing any fruit. It's hard work even to stay in the vine at all. As we think about our mission to share Jesus with the people we know, our network of relationships, people in this local area. Well, we might anticipate the rotten fruit of rejection being thrown at us, but do we expect the fruit of new Christians? Sometimes it seems a million miles away, doesn't it? But we've got to notice that nowhere in this passage, nowhere at all, 
not once are we commanded to bear fruit. We are not commanded to bear fruit. We are commanded to remain in Jesus, to keep trusting and obeying him to provide the life that only he can. Um, Later this year, I'm joining a cohort of other pastors from around the country. Um, We're being trained up by an organization called Reach Australia, sharing wisdom and best practice in in church leadership and trying to help each other grow our churches. Uh, Working out how best to lead our churches, all deeply word-based. It'll be good stuff. And I expect it's going to be really helpful for me to grow as your pastor and for our church overall. Good stuff, but it's not in and of itself going to produce any fruit, any lasting fruit. It's all for nothing if it's not helping us remain in Jesus. Both things are in um, this passage, what Jesus says. We obey with everything we've got uh, to the point of laying down our lives for each other, but all the while knowing If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. In the Greek, that means nothing. You can do nothing apart from Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, if you're seriously thinking of giving up on Jesus, you need to hear his warning. You will not bear any lasting fruit and you will be cut off from the source of life. We've looked at five I am sayings of Jesus this January. If you reject Jesus, the only I am that you're left with for eternity is yourself, my own I am. And I would not wish being stuck with my own I am on anybody. Jesus loves us as the Father loves him. He is our source of life. Keep going back to him by depending on him. Keep going back to him by obeying him. Keep going back to him by loving one another. And the promise is, if we do that, we'll know the joy of bringing Jesus joy and we'll produce fruit that lasts forever. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we come to you uh, aware that we need pruning. We come to you Uh, knowing that at times we just try to produce fruit ourselves and we lose sight of Jesus, the true vine. Lord, as we, this very day, Lord, please help us to return to Jesus, to trust in him, to depend on him and help us to love each other as you have loved us. Amen.